a series called The Victory March, and we are closing it out today, and we are closing it out with a bang, all right? And a giant exclamation point on who Christ is. And uh, as we get ready for the surgery tomorrow and preparing for what's coming, and, and uh, you know, one of the things that happens when they do this surgery by going in the way they do up through the nose and all, you end up losing your ability to smell, which also takes away your ability to taste. And uh, so I, uh, last time around, it lasted just a couple of months. The time before that, it lasted about four months. So uh, it can be a while of not tasting anything. That takes a bit of the joy of eating away. Did you know that? Yeah. And uh, so I was like, well, if we're going to lose it, let's make sure we enjoy it before it goes. <laughs> so uh, starting Tuesday, we were on a mad rampage to eat anything and everything that tasted great. So we hit Portillo's in Bloomington on Tuesday and uh, ate there with the staff, and uh, then on Wednesday ended up going out to a steakhouse and uh, enjoying that. We ended up having Giordano's Pizza brought over to us by a dear friend and ate that over two or three days there. Went back to Portillo's on Thursday. That was good. <laughs> Enjoyed that. Uh, relaxed a little on Friday and just kind of took it easy. We ended up cooking some great things at home and having Mac and Megan over, and, and uh, we call... Uh, this couch, the war couch. We have gone to prayer on that couch for this topic uh, many times over, and so we ended up rallying the family with Mac and Meg and Alyssa and John and myself there, and we prayed over that. And then on Saturday, I took Alyssa back to Portillo's in Peoria. Uh, did you know that that's open now? Peoria Portillo's is actually open, and I don't know if they wanted me saying that to 3,000 people, but they're doing a grand opening sometime coming up this week, but they've already been open, so... We've enjoyed thoroughly uh, being able to taste and uh, getting ready for seeing what may come next. And I'm just saying, in the midst of everything that's coming and whatever God has in store, man, Lord, we worship you and we celebrate you. And all of God's people said, Amen. all right. And as we take a look now at Revelation chapter 19, we're looking at Jesus Christ having victory, victory. And we've talked about this several times over. He's got victory over sin. He went to the cross. He died for us. And we can have forgiveness. Victory over sin. We can have victory over death. Because as we pass away, our souls, yes, perfected and drawn up to heaven. We spend eternity then with him. Our souls perfected. But our bodies remain here until the end of time. And uh, at the end, when Christ comes, there is this capturing up together, and our, our bodies get glorified, perfected, and then married together with perfect soul, and there is then victory over death as we go into eternity with perfect body, perfect soul, and him doing all the work. And all of God's people said, and I'm telling you, this broken world is well in hand. He's got it in hand. Victory over sin, victory over death. Then we looked at victory in this world. You are not alone as you walk day by day. The Holy Spirit with you as he leads, as he guides, as he comforts, as he works within you and shapes and changes and transforms one degree of glory at a time, changing your soul as he allows the physical of this world to continue on its path, but God doing a work in you. 
and the Holy Spirit being a part of that. And then last week, we spent some time as 59 people celebrated throughout three services, 59 people going after baptisms and saying, I follow Jesus Christ and I love him and I make much of him. It was a huge part of the victory march that we've been on in this month here. And uh, now today we close out with Jesus Christ, victorious over all rebellion, over all enemies, everything put to rest once and for all. There is a point where that's guaranteed. He came as lamb. Trust me, he is coming again as lion. Jesus Christ, our hope, all right? Revelation 19, as we dive in here, starting in verse 11, what are we supposed to know? What are we supposed to do? And it says, Jesus Christ here, point number one, Jesus Christ is coming with unmatchable power to reign. Count on it. Jesus Christ is coming with unmatchable power to reign. Count on it. He says, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. We'll just stop there and we'll back it up. He says, Then I saw. Just so you know, that phrase is super important in the book of Revelation. Then I saw. You may even want to underline it or circle it or put a note in your notes there, but then I saw. You're going to see it repeatedly throughout Revelation, and it's the way he introduces the next vision piece that God is giving him. And then the next thing that I saw, right? This is the next part of the vision. Then I saw, or the other words are, and I saw. Both of those come from the same two Greek words, and a huge importance as it connects together vision after vision. He's like, then I saw heaven opened. Let that settle. I mean, we barely even can grasp what that would look like, what that would be like. Heaven opened. The place that is the residence of God Almighty as he expresses out his glory. The place that has the greatness of him in full display. Where the angels are celebrating, where those who are passed away who trust in him are with him. And somehow in the midst of that glory and that perfection, a moment in time where something opens up and he sees and he hears and the thunderous statements come forth and heaven opened. Man, that is a huge deal. He said, then I saw heaven opened and behold, and when we see that word we say, Right? This one's even bigger now. He's like, and behold, a white horse. And uh, some of you might be like, I don't get it. Big deal. And uh, just so you know, in the Roman era, when they came riding back in victorious, they would ride in on a white horse in expectation of the celebration that was about to take place. Victory assured is kind of what the white horse means. This is absolute celebration of victory before the victories even had. Victory is Christ's. He has it in hand. And as he rides in on the white horse, it says, the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. Faithful and True, the names of Jesus Christ himself. Everybody just say, this is Jesus. Okay, this is Jesus Christ riding in on the white horse. The name's Faithful and True. Faithful meaning what he says he'll do, you can completely count on him. Faithful. And true, always aligning with what is right, always sharing what is factual and accurate and standing beside God Almighty, faithful and true. 
Jesus Christ, God the Son, and it says, and in righteousness, he judges and makes war. Whoever he's going to go up against, he's going up against to say, my righteousness will stand and your unrighteousness will fall. There will be judgment and there will be war and Christ will take his stand. And I'm telling you this, man, he is saying once and for all, this is done. I stand against it. And you will see Jesus Christ as lion, taking over formidably, putting this world in place. And all who receive any judgment, all who are made war against, well, very clearly here it says, they are the ones who are unrighteous. And his righteousness is being waged against. It says, his eyes are like a flame of fire. His eyes are like a flame of fire. In fact, if you go back to Revelation chapter 1, verse 14, you don't have to turn there, but you might want to write the notes down. Revelation 1, verses 14 through 19, here's what it says, talking about Jesus Christ. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. Everybody say, he's wise. That's what that means. The white hair, it's like he knows a ton. For those of you who already have white hair, you're like, amen to that. Okay? And... Uh, his eyes were like a flame of fire, same phrase, like a flame of fire. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his feet, his right hand on me saying, fear not, I am the first and the last, right? I am the alpha and the omega. This is Jesus Christ. I am the first and the last, the alpha and the omega and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. Jesus Christ declaring this. As he's talking with John, and I have the keys of death and Hades, write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. He's like, record this, man. Don't lose it. This is going to be some pretty amazing stuff. Revelation chapter 1, the one with fire in his eyes, God Almighty, God the Son, Jesus Christ, the one who we can trust in, the one who has died and who has risen. He is our hope. It says his eyes are like a flame of fire, back to Revelation 19. And on his head are many diadems, like he is ruler, he is king. These jewels, these crowns, all reflecting his greatness. It says, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. And everybody say that means he's important. And I agree with you, right? This is the, he is so important, he's got a name that nobody knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. Now, some will say this looks back to the cross, and, uh, and others will say this looks forward to the war that is to come. And it's not exactly clear which, but I will say, considering we're in Revelation 19 and we're about to deal with the end, I would say this very well may look forward more than it looks backward. Probably less to do with when he was lamb going to the cross, probably more to do with him being lion, taking on this war to come. And the blood is representing those that are to be fought and are going to lose, those that are standing against the righteous king, Jesus Christ. And uh, if you've thought of Jesus only as the soft one, the nice one, the sacrificial one, welcome to Revelation 19. Jesus Christ is lamb, and he is loving with all he's got, and he is 
lion. He is king of the universe. He is God Almighty. And hear me, man. He will rule. Amen. It says that he is coming with his robes dipped in blood. And it says, and the name by which he is called is the word of God. Everybody say, this is Jesus Christ. Right? John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's talking very specifically about Jesus Christ, who is called the Word. And what's the big deal with that phrase? Why is he even called the Word? Just so you know, in the Greek, the word lagos, word, right? It meant the essence of who you were as you shared forth where you stood, your words, right? You were sharing the essence, the trueness of who you were. And Jesus Christ, God in his full essence, being revealed, the word of God. This is him being shared forth to the world. And we have hope because we get to see him and the, the word of God. It says, and the armies of heaven, everybody say, that's me. If you're a believer, if you trust in Jesus Christ, this is the ones rallying with him. And some will say this is angels included in that, but this is probably angels and believers and uh, the collection thereof. And uh, those who have trusted and will have been raised up with him in the rapture or who have passed away and are at home with him. Either way, all believers that are with him, and it says, in the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. And uh, hear me, man, there's a celebration as the entirety of the war team rallied together, rides in on white horses. And if you are a believer, and if you are trusting in Christ, there is a moment when we are in heaven, and this moment comes and Jesus Christ gets on his white horse, and he's got a special robe that's dipped in blood, showing where he's headed. And then there's white horses, we're all getting, can you imagine that moment? As we're all like hanging out, there's been sort of celebration. If you look actually at Revelation 19, 1 through 10, the marriage feast of the lamb, there's this giant supper of the lamb, this celebrating of the bride, that's the church being married together with Christ and us coming together with him in the 10 verses before this. And there's this celebration as the church is in heaven and lifting up Jesus Christ and we're seeing it all coming to fruition. And all of a sudden he says, hey, Get the white horse. And in that moment, the euphoria in that, I can't even imagine what it's going to be like, man. As all of a sudden, all of us who are believers trusting in him, we know exactly what's coming now. And he's like, get the white horse. And we're like, yes, here it comes, man. Can I have my white horse? All right, you know somebody's going to be asking that. I hear I get a white horse too. Can I be riding alongside of him? And this is going to be amazing. And as this war begins to unfold, it says, And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following with him on white horses. That's you and me being able to be along for it. It says, From his mouth comes a sharp sword. From his mouth comes a sharp sword. Just so you know, the only weapon that Christ brings is his word. That's the only weapon needed from Jesus Christ. In the beginning, when God was creating, he just spoke, and it was. We know from Colossians chapter 1 that Jesus Christ is the one speaking, creator God. Colossians chapter 1, 16 through 18. 
as he speaks and creates, as he by his presence sustains. And the phrase, let there be, and then there is. And I'm telling you at the end when Christ speaks, that is enough. It is done. Hear me, man. The power of Jesus Christ and his spoken word is the only weapon brought to the war. Jesus Christ, with his sword, we're along for the ride. It says, from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which he will strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron. All he needs is his spoken word. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. He will tread the winepress. This is actually a phrase that if you look back, you see it in Revelation 13 and 14 talked about as well. And a tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God. Can we all say, that doesn't sound good. Just say that with me. Right? Whatever it all means, it isn't going to be good for who's standing against him. And for those who are like, forget Christ, it's going to be all about me. Uh, well, the answer is, you will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God. He will stand against that with all he has. It says, on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The name of Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's even got it tattooed onto his thigh. Hear me, man. We get used to saying that phrase in the church, and we kind of lose track of what it is. King of Kings. In other words, take all the kings everywhere. Yeah, he's king over all them. Right? Take all the lords, all the masters, all the rulers everywhere. Yeah, he's lord over them. Like he's in charge. Jesus Christ. He is king of kings. He is lord of lords. He is ruling over all and he is about to take it all in hand. Revelation 19. Man, this is coming this is a future coming for us as we look forward and we see Jesus Christ putting things right. If you are living in this broken world and you are like, I am sick of this broken world, please hear me, man. Christ is restoring one soul at a time, one moment at a time, and there will be a point in time where he mounts a white horse and this mess is done. And all of God's people said, Amen. huge deal. Jesus Christ, he has it in hand. He is King of Kings. He is Lord of Lords. He is God Almighty. We trust in him. And uh, This past week, I was reading some details on, looking just for an illustration, and I ran into the story about President Truman back in 1945, 1946, kind of in that era there. And uh, he was just getting used to being president. It was post-World War II. There was a lot of mess going on. He was working with the United Nations on a lot of things. We were trying to reestablish this world and get some stability again. And um, in the midst of World War II, can you imagine when you're reading passages like Revelation 19 and Christ coming again and wars that are going to be uh, massive in nature and then World War II starts up? Can you imagine where your mind goes to, right? And the things that they thought were happening and coming, and that wasn't even but a taste, right? And uh, so Truman was sitting there talking with some of his cabinet, got together every morning with them, 
And uh, he received a letter from the king of Saudi Arabia. It was one of these gorgeous envelopes, just really ornate. And on the backside, it had this uh, kind of stamp in it. And the, the, the seal was all kind of lifted up. It was this glorious seal that had gold and everything else in it. It looked awesome. And as he goes to open it, he's like, don't get letters like this very often, right? So he starts to open it up. And he opens it. And on the inside, as he opens the letter and starts to read, he starts to laugh. And somebody says, why are you laughing? And he said, let me start out with what it says. It says, your magnificence. That's how the letter started. He's like, your magnificence. This is written to me. I, I can't believe he's talking. Your magnificence. And then he turned to the guys next to him and he's like, why don't you call me that? <laughs> right? I like that. It has a ring about it. How come every time when I come in, it should, from now on, when I come in here and I stand in the room, you guys should say, your magnificence, right? And everybody starts chuckling a little bit as they laughed through the respect that was being given by the king of Saudi Arabia for some of the things that they were doing as they were beginning to partner together. And well, as time passed and Truman was working with the United Nations, there were some things going on with the Jewish nation. And for those of you who know the history of that time and that period, there was a decision made to take as many Jews as they could and move them back to the Palestinian area. And there was an agreement by the UN to be a part of doing that. And Truman was working with them and ended up writing to the UN and saying, this first 100,000 people, that I write in support of. And there were other things that he held back on, but on that he was like, I'm in support of this. And for the 100,000 Jews to be moved to Palestine. And it wasn't but a month or two later and he got another letter from the king of Saudi Arabia. And it looked a little less ornate. And when he opened it, it said, Dear President. <laughs> he kind of fell in the rankings a little bit, right? He's like, I'm not really happy with what you're doing. So he showed a little bit of respect to the position, but really there was no celebration and no euphoria. All right, how are you approaching Jesus Christ? Are you in the, dear Jesus, like I'll call you by who you are and I'll give you the respect of that, but deep inside there's things I want to go a certain way and they're not going that way and so I pull back my celebration. You do not have my all in. Or are you saying, your magnificence, you're in charge here and please hear me. You may be going through something in this room right now, a tragedy or something you're experiencing where you're like, this is not how I wanted it to go down. God, what are you thinking right now? Man, do not let it steal your worship. And all of God's people said, hear me, man. My God can. My God will. And even if my God doesn't, I will worship him. That's the battle cry. Nothing toys with your worship. No matter what you're facing, my God can. My God will. And even if my God doesn't, say it with me, say it out loud. My God can. My God will. And even if my God doesn't, I will worship him. I'm telling you, man, it will light you up. Whatever it is you're facing, you lay it at the feet of Christ 
and you simply say this, your magnificence, I come before you and I lay this down. You're in charge, King of kings and Lord of lords. And all of God's people said, Jesus Christ, man, he is coming with unmatchable power. Count on it. Celebrate it. Worship him in it. And number two, he will be victorious over all rebellion. Worship him. He will be victorious over all rebellion. Worship him. Take it to him with all you've got. He starts out again now. Then I saw. Remember I told you about that phrase? You're going to see it over and over and over again throughout this passage and other passages within Revelation. Then I saw, in the Greek, kai aidan. Then I saw, or and I saw. You see it over and over again. This is the connection and the start of a new vision. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun. All right. Now, have you ever looked into the sun? How's that gone for you? Right? You look into the sun and it's so bright that you can barely, like as you look away, you just see spots, right? But he looks into the sun and he sees an angel. How bright is that angel? Right? To stand in the brightness of the sun and to be able to be picked out and seen. This is an amazing moment. How big, how vast, how bright, how authoritative in the midst of what we know is one of the brightest things we can think of. Eh, brighter. He's got it. This angel stands up. says, then I saw an angel standing in the sun and with a loud voice. Imagine how loud that voice would be. And with a loud voice, he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead. He thunders forth into the world. He cries out to all the birds. He thunders it forth and he says, come gather for the great supper of God. Now, you heard me talk just a moment ago about the supper of the lamb. That's something very different. The supper of the lamb is verses one through 10. This is where we get to sit down with Jesus Christ at a marriage meal. This is where there is laughter and celebration. This is the uh, celebration of the marriage of us to Christ for all of eternity. It's in hand and done. The supper of the lamb, that's verses 1 through 10. So you and me sitting with the lamb of God celebrating, that's a great thing. This is the supper of God. That's not a good moment. And the supper of God is not the victorious. The supper of God is the rebellious and what they have happened to them. Well, what happens at the supper of God? It says, come, he's calling to the birds, gather to the great supper of God. Ready? Here's the supper. To eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. Everybody coming against Jesus Christ, going down. And he's like, listen, birds, feast. All right. I don't know about you, but if I'm standing on the other side, and all of a sudden, a being so bright you could see him against the sun, stands up and says, 
Birds everywhere gather. Feast on them. There's a part of that where I'm kind of like, feast on me, right? You've got to imagine the tremble that starts in them as they start to grasp the authority and power standing before them and what is coming to them. As rebels who are standing against Christ, hearing of this thunderous cry against them, and they recognize one thing, victory has just been declared. And it's over. That's it. The declaration just came from the angels. This is what's to come. Both small and great. It says, And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse. Him who was sitting on the horse. Everybody say, that's Jesus. Okay, amen to that. That's Jesus, right? We have Jesus Christ sitting on the horse and the armies with him. And it says, and I saw the beast. This is the one who Satan has empowered, the one who takes over in this world, the one who begins to distract and confuse and draw unbelievers to him, the beast, the one following after Satan with all he's got. And it says that the beast and uh, with the false prophet This is an amazing moment going on. And he saw the beast and the kings of the earth, and they've all rallied together for war. And they're going to go against Jesus Christ, the one sitting on the horse, and against his army. Um, Everybody just say, that's useless. Okay? Standing up against Jesus Christ and saying, I'm going to stand up against you and all of your authority. I'm going to take this back. And that is pointless. That is useless. And may we see and understand, yes, Jesus Christ, he is the lamb. He is sacrificing. He is loving. He is caring. But Jesus Christ, he is king of the universe, and he is lion of all. And I'm telling you, there is no standing against him. Every knee will bow. And all of God's people said, amen. The beast and the kings of the earth were now rallied together to make war. This is the Armageddon that people have talked about. Maybe you've heard of that. And uh, as they're rallied together, it says, get ready. Now we're heading into the war. Can you imagine this movie that's setting up? And, and you know how movies work, right? And so there's this time period where you're like getting to know Christ. Maybe we get to see in the, in the movie itself, you get to see the image of this supper of the lamb taking place, the celebration and the victory and the healing and the restoring and the perfecting. And all of a sudden, the thunderous words of Christ, get the white horse, Right? And the white horse is brought out and he mounts up and you can feel the music building in the movie. Everything is getting set up and then the camera pans to the other side and there's the dark forces of evil and they're wearing black because they always are. They're bad guys, right? And so they're like wearing whatever. They're coming in, the evil guys and the beast is standing against. He's the one who says, I will make this about me and Satan himself. And they come together with their kings and the battleground is coming as they're coming in with horses and every other weapon. You're seeing the breath of the horses blow as they're coming together and in that moment it says, and the beast was captured with the false prophet. That's it. That's all it says. Half a verse and the beast was captured with a false prophet. I guarantee you this. There was absolutely no battle to be had. 
Jesus Christ stands up against them, and it's done in half a verse. Do you realize that the entire Bible is recording rebellion against God Almighty? And in half a verse, it's done. You get that? He literally, Jesus Christ is like, it's over! And it's done. That's it. Whatever his words are, it's finished. Now get this, man. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Trinity, right? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Remember, Satan said, I will be like the Most High. And so he creates a false trinity, if you will. It's three different beings. They're not related. There's no power equal to God at all. But he puts Satan on the top like God the Father. He's got the beast like God the Son. And he's got a false prophet that points over to the beast and tries to make much of him. He's created a false trinity to try to mirror who God is. And that's what you see going on here, is the beast and the false prophet trying to stand up against the Son and the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, that's pointless. I agree with you on that. And uh, it's a huge deal. It says, and the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet. Who is the false prophet? Well, he is uh, the one, it says here, who is uh, in his presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. The false prophet is like the Holy Spirit trying to be. He's saying, I'm going to try to manipulate people and move them. And so in a very godless way, trying to mirror who he is, they're super small. They have no authority and power, but they're trying to mirror it. I will be like, everybody say like, the most high, but coming nowhere close. And in one spoken moment, it is done. They are captured. It says that they had been captured. And uh, right here, these two were thrown into the lake of fire, which burns with sulfur. And, uh, so the beast and the false prophet thrown into the lake of fire. That is that place of permanence, okay, this, they're thrown there. The others, remember, we have now humanity trying to come against Christ. They have physical bodies and souls that are rebelling. And so there's something else that happens with them. It says, and the rest, this is the armies that are standing against him. Remember, we have the beast and the kings and his armies. And now the beast has been taken away and thrown. And so the rest, this is the kings and the armies that are standing against Jesus Christ in rebellion and the rest were slain, done, life taken. And please hear me, standing against Jesus Christ, there is grace in the moment, and that lasts until the end, and then it's over. Trust in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. He will reign. There will be victory in Jesus Christ alone. We have hope in him. It says, and the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse. Everybody say, that's Jesus. His word alone spoke the end, and that's it. It is done because Christ said it's done. And then it says right after it, and all the birds were gorged with their flesh. And everybody say, that's gross. <laughs> I agree with you. 
And uh, the bottom line is, the thunderous declaration from the angel was, come feast at the supper of God where God finally puts all rebellion to rest. It is done. There is victory in Jesus Christ. There is victory in the one who reigns. And please hear me, Jesus Christ, he came as lamb. He went to the cross and he died for us. And in dying, he gave us victory over sin. His blood shed for you and for me, dying at the cross for us. But he did more than that. He rose again from the dead. There is life in him. There is hope in him. We have victory over death, but it's put on hold. Hang on. The victory over death, there is a declaration of what is to come. And in the meantime, the Holy Spirit works with us. And as our broken down bodies go through whatever we go through, the Spirit changing our soul one degree of glory at a time. In this world, God getting the glory as you lean on him. And in the end, if we pass away, man, our soul goes to heaven. We are with him for eternity, perfect in soul. And when he comes again, our body's captured up and glorified body, glorified soul goes into eternity forever. Praise be to God. Please hear me, man. At that end, Jesus Christ will return. He is coming again. He will come again, and this time not as lamb. He will come as lion. These are the bookends that we see in Scripture. He came first to cover us, to protect us, to provide for us, and to give victory. And he comes at the end to put it all to rest. Lord of lords, King of kings, God almighty, for all of eternity, him getting the praise. He has everything in hand. And all of God's people said, amen, man, amen. Amen huge that we grasp this. So every little problem you're dealing with, he has it in hand. And all of God's people said, in hand, his choice. And we lean on him. Every moment of every day, he is king of kings and he is Lord of lords. And we await his return. The end of Revelation says, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. John saw all of this glory, and he's like, man, I'm done with this world. Just come, Jesus, ready to see you, ready to have this on. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. We serve the king. He has it all in hand. He has diadems and crowns on his head. He rules. Are you leaning on Jesus Christ? Are you trusting in him as the magnificent one, the king of the universe, that moment by moment gets all of your worship and you long for the day where it's all rightly given to him? Are you in? Man, may we celebrate the victory in Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen.